Maude has our new Sunday School lesson. By the way, uh, I'll be coming to ask some of you to help me with something this morning. Uh, we have the tickets for our uh, married couple sweetheart banquet uh, this uh, coming up in just a couple of weeks. I'm going to get a couple of you, uh, you men, to fight each other. I mean, to try to sell the most tickets, and they want to get these cared for. So be reminded about that. Brother Mont's passing out lesson seven. If you did not get it, our lesson today is praying for healing. Praying for healing, and. Uh, we're going to be uh, fellows, we're definitely not going to finish today. I'd say uh, we'll call this part one, and we'll see if part two next week uh, on this lesson, uh, lesson number seven, and we'll uh, begin today, maybe get halfway through this morning uh, on the material. Uh, but turn with me to the book of James, uh, the book of James chapter five, as we begin. If you do not have a lesson, please put your hand up. I want to make sure everybody has one, uh, but the book of James in chapter number 5, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 16 as we begin our journey talking about healing, praying for healing this morning. Anybody else still need a lesson? I want to make sure we get everybody one of those. All right, look here with me at James chapter 5, uh, verses 13 through 16. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let's pray together. Lord, as we begin this lesson on praying for healing, Lord, a very serious matter. Lord, a matter that the Bible is not silent on, but rather there's much teaching. Lord, I pray that we would receive it. Lord, I pray that we would grow and learn according to your purpose and will for us. Dear Holy Spirit of God, would you lead us and guide us in all truth today? And God, would you help me, Lord, who am imperfect? Lord, would you help me as I take the perfect word of God? And God, would you lead me and guide me, empower me, and embolden me to share the truth this morning. And Lord, most of all, would you be lifted up. Lord, help us to glorify you, to worship you. Now, Lord, meet with us, help us, teach us about this matter of prayer through your word and by your spirit. In your precious name we pray, amen. How many times as we look through the Bible... As we start in the Gospel of Matthew, and we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how many times in the ministry of Jesus Christ, just that which is recorded? Now, the Bible tells us of all the things that Jesus had done, uh, had been recorded, that uh, we couldn't contain the books. But just in the record we have of the Gospels, 
those four men that God gave to pen that record of Christ on the earth. Just in that short period of time, in those short books that were penned, how many times did Jesus hear the cry of those that were sick? How many times was he called to heal? How many times have those that had no hope come to him as the only hope? The leper said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. The centurion at Capernaum said to Jesus, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. He told him that because he believed Jesus could heal him. A certain ruler worshiped Jesus, the Bible records in Matthew 9. My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay a hand upon her and she shall live. A woman diseased with an issue of blood, 12 years. 12 years, that's a long time. A 12-year illness that nobody could heal and nobody could help. She came behind Jesus and simply, simply touched the hem of his garment. That's all. And she was healed. Two blind men followed Jesus, crying out, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. They wanted healed. The woman of Canaan cried to Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil in Matthew chapter 15. When Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, it was a time of glory, a time of blessing. He, he brought the disciples, a few of the disciples with him, and he revealed himself, and, and there was Moses, and, and all the glory that happened, and, and Peter, of course, said, hey, let's build some temples here. This is good. Let's stay here. It, it, was, a, it was a spiritual high. But when they came down off of the Mount Transfiguration, there came a confident man who kneeled at Jesus' feet and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's a lunatic. I think that was John's dad that came and said that. Uh, he's a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy, thy disciples and they couldn't cure him. Why did he come to Jesus? Because he believed Jesus could heal him. He believed Jesus could heal him. And Jesus departed from Jericho. And there were two men sitting by the wayside. And they heard that it was Jesus passing by. Now, they had to hear it because they could not see it. And when they heard that it was Jesus, they cried out, O thou son of David, have mercy on us. Because they believed in healing. All of those and many more recorded in the Gospels. Now, you understand the Bible says that many brought the sick to him. It's hard to tell how many different people that Jesus healed. We don't know that number. I believe it's a very large number. I believe there were many people that came to Jesus. I believe probably much of Jesus' day when he was near the public was people coming to him for healing. And nowhere in the scriptures, 
Nowhere do we find Jesus saying, hey, hey, quit bothering me. Leave me alone. Don't you ask me to heal you. The only time we see anything like that was with that woman who said, oh, Lord, it's not for you. And she asked and asked, and the Lord healed her because of her faith. We talked about that last week. But we see Jesus many times interested, concerned about the sick. If the personal ministry of Jesus Christ shows us anything this morning, it shows us that Christ himself, the Son of God, God in the flesh, is concerned about the hurt and sickness that you and I have. It's very plain. I believe that he loves to cure suffering. I believe he's glad to hear the prayers of healing. When I was in grade 12, I slammed this thumb right here in a sliding glass door in our back of our house. It was one of those old sliding glass doors uh, that was real rickety and didn't want to slide well. Any of you have one of those in your house growing up? And uh, us poor folk, I see you back there, Kareen. And the door didn't slide right, and you had to fight it to get it to close. And I was trying to fight it to get it to close, and as I did, I had my thumb around the edge. I know most of you are shocked that I would ever have an accident, but I had my thumb around it, and it finally closed. But when it closed, my thumb was inside, and then it stuck. And I finally... Oh, finally got the door open. I, I, I think I screamed and yelled. I think I spoke Farsi, I'm pretty sure. Uh, might have even spoken in Tagalog. I'm not positive. Uh, maybe even some German, Brother Pete. You heard some of my German before. Probably some of those same words. And it hurt. I mean, it hurt really bad. And it was. it instantly turned black, purple, green, yellow. You name it, it was every color under the rainbow. And every time my heart beat, I felt it. I laid in bed that night. I could feel my pulse every time it hurt. That was Saturday. Sunday morning, we went to church. I was in my Sunday school class. After, after church, my dad stopped one of the men in our church. He was the teenage, uh, the junior high uh, Sunday school teacher in our church. And he had been my Sunday school teacher, but he was more than that. He was my family doctor. His name was Dr. Wagner. And Dad stopped Doc Wagner as he was going out and said, Hey, Doc, can you look at Brian's finger? He uh, slammed his finger in a sliding glass door. And I remember Doc saying to Dad, Yeah, tell him to go to Pastor's office. I'll be there in a couple minutes. So I went in Pastor's office. I'm in there feeling boom, 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 feeling every pulse it hurt. Dr. Wagner carried his little medical bag in and... uh, uh, he had a little teeny Hitler-looking mustache. He was uh, he's, he's, he's still living. Good man, uh, wonderful man. But he came and sat down, and he opened his little bag, and he's looking through, and he pulls out a hypodermic needle. And I was terrified of needles. I, I still don't like needles. I thought he was going to stick me, give me, inject me in something. I kind of backed up. He said, put your hand on the table. So I put my hand on the pastor's desk like this, and he took that hypodermic needle in between his hands like a drill. And he stuck that little needle right there, and he just started slowly spinning it like a little drill bit. And he's spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning just real slow until finally that drill made it through 
the last layer of cuticle. When that happened, I painted my pasture ceiling. Because all that pressure that was in there came all the way to the ceiling. And the color I painted it was red, in case you're wondering, on the ceiling. But whenever that pressure was gone, oh, what a relief. All the pain was gone. I wonder how many times in Jesus, by the sheer power of who he is, the God of creation, remove the pain and the pressure and the torment and the sickness of probably thousands of people. I don't believe this morning that Jesus Christ gave up the ministry of healing when he went to the cross. I don't believe that God's power to do so has waned over the years. I believe that God can still heal. I believe that God can and does still do miracles. And we're going to talk about that today and, and next week. Uh, number one in your notes, I want you to see sickness is a proper subject of prayer. Sickness is a proper subject of prayer. How many of you have ever had the privilege uh, of working in any sort of children's ministry or Sunday school? You've taught a Sunday school class, you've, uh, you've worked with young people. Those of you that raise your hands, you will know this is true. Sometimes when you ask children for prayer requests, you get some unique prayer requests. And Brother Colton could probably uh, give us some pretty unique ones. I I know that there were several prayer requests for a dead cat over the last couple of years uh, that was already dead. Uh, I don't know if you're supposed to pray for cats, but definitely probably not dead cats. Uh, there's several unique prayer requests when you're dealing with kids. They, kids, kids, I want to pray about everything. Uh, I wish we were more like them. I wish we were more like them. But we say, oh, you can't pray about that. Oh, don't, don't pray about that. We're going to see in a couple of weeks, yeah, God wants us to pray about everything. Amen. But there are times that we say, oh, no, we, we shouldn't, you shouldn't pray about that. That, that you know, praying for healing, that's not a proper subject of prayer. Well, the fact is that uh, sickness is a proper subject of prayer. In James chapter 5, look in verse 13. James chapter 5, 13, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Afflicted could be translated suffering. Is any suffering? Let him pray. So people, the Bible tells us in the book of James, and, and we're going to uh, navigate a little bit about James in the book of James in a few moments. But in the book of James, it, it tells us that when we're suffering, it is proper and it is right that we pray for ourselves. God tells us that here. And then it says, it goes on to say in 14 and 15, Is any sick among you? Let him call the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save him, shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Clearly, from the book of James, sickness ought to be 
and is an occasion of prayer. We're commanded to pray. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I wonder how many times this week we've prayed. I wonder how many of you have got messages from folks that said, hey, would you pray about this? Would you pray? About By the way, that should be a normal thing for Christians. That should be a normal pattern for Christians. I, I couldn't begin to tell you how many texts, how many Facebook messages, WhatsApp messages, uh, phone calls that I've gotten just this week. Pastor, would you pray about this? I, I think of uh, Tyler Mackay. I got a message from him last night, and he said, Pastor, would you pray for me tomorrow? I'm taking some teenagers, and we're going over to another church. I'm going to minister. Uh, they're on their way right now. About five, ten minutes ago, I think they left. after their, They have an early service. And uh, I prayed for him early this morning and messaged him. Uh, that should be a normal thing for us as believers. We should be praying for one another. We should be praying for other needs. Uh we see here a normal, normal prayer is praying for the sick. James 5.16, it says, Confess your faults one another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. Now, Christian, get this thought as we think about sickness being a proper subject of prayer. You and I can pray for ourselves when we're sick. Now, this week, I want to give you a wonderful example, and this is probably the best illustration, and maybe the Lord allowed this to happen so I could use the illustration. How many of you know that Pastor Rice is not a veterinarian? Did anybody know that I'm not a veterinarian? I have put a lot of animals down, uh, but I'm not a veterinarian. Uh, I've healed a few animals. Uh, I've eaten a lot of animals, but I'm not a veterinarian. But my dog had an issue with his ear, and I'm not a veterinarian, remember? But I thought, man, i got to help my dog. So I've used tea tree oil. It's a wonderful, wonderful substance that God has given us. It's a great healing balm. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to use it to heal my dog. Now, since I'm not a veterinarian and I don't play one on TV, I didn't know that that was poisonous for dogs. I almost killed my dog. Like my dog almost died this week. He, he was right to the brink of death. I shook the thing of peanut butter pretzels, and he came back to life. And true story, hand on the Bible, that about happened. And, but I wanted to help him. I was trying to help him. I, I was trying my best to help him. Now, I didn't do the best job of helping him. But when we, we think often, well, I can't pray for myself. I've got to get somebody else to pray. No, the fact is we can pray for ourselves, and we ought to. I don't have to have a, a doctorate degree in prayer to pray when I'm sick. Uh, the smallest child can cry out to God. How wonderful that is. We can pray ourselves, but also it is biblical to get other people to pray for us. And we see that it's biblical to get the, church, the, to get the pastor, the elders of the church, to pray that we be healed. Uh, if there were no, if the Lord didn't give us the book of James, if we didn't have this passage in this teaching, it would still be okay and a proper subject of prayer for us to pray uh, because the Bible tells us in the book of Mark, whatsoever things ye desire, and as I said, in a few weeks we're going we're gonna to really dive off in, into the deep water on this matter of praying for everything. But the Bible says whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe, and you shall receive them, that you have, shall have them. 
whatsoever. If Herman's sick, he feels horrible because his wife's trying to poison him. She's rubbing tea tree oil in his ear, trying to kill him. And he's sick and he feels horrible. You know what he's going to want? His desire? Man, I want to feel better. A few weeks ago, Darren was sick for six years. And uh, when he got sick, he couldn't even grow a mustache. Now his mustache is whiter than his face. That's how long he was sick. And you know what he wanted for three and a half weeks? To get better. So the Bible says whatever we desire, we can pray for. Even if the book of James wasn't in the Bible, we could know it's a proper subject of prayer to pray if we're sick. John 14, 14, if you shall ask anything in my name. That's a pretty broad word, anything. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Uh, I believe anything might cover you being sick. It might cover disease. It might cover hurting. Philippians 4, 6, 6 commands us, by everything, by prayer, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, I want to make a statement here. I want you to get this. If there were not a single specific promise in the Bible which directly mentioned healing of the sick in answer to prayer, if there were none, and there are, we've already seen much this morning, but if there were none, any believing Christian would have the right to call on their Heavenly Father for healing in light of the general promises of God regarding answering prayer. We, we know that sickness is a proper subject of prayer. Uh, besides sickness, uh, besides uh, sickness, sometimes, now, now let's not uh, get off track with this thought, but sometimes, that's a very important word, sometimes. Sometimes sickness is an attack of Satan. We know that in the case of Job. Uh, the Bible says that uh, Job's sickness was brought on by a direct attack by Satan that was allowed by God. Jesus healed a woman in the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus said about that woman, Satan hath bound you low these 18 years. So that particular sickness was a tool of the devil. I said sometimes sickness can be brought on as a direct attack of Satan. Paul's thorn in the flesh was called a messenger of Satan, allowed by God for God's glory. God permits just as he permits the result of sin. By the way, ultimately sickness it was the result of Adam taking that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and taking a bite. The curse of sin. All the pain, all the hurt, all the sickness in our world is a result of sin. All the suffering in this world, not, not created by God, came about because of the curse of sin. But sometimes sickness is a result of an attack of Satan. So if that's the case, we can call on our Heavenly Father to come Amen. to protect us. I've been hunting before. Brother Darren's been with me and seen this happen, I know. I've seen a mama deer and a young deer, not a baby, but a young deer traveling together, mama and fawn traveling together. And I've watched the young one go on one side of the road and mama go on the other side of the road. I remember a couple years ago, Brother Darren and I were together, and we stopped and started to go back to the truck. I said, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I said, I'm going to call her back out. 
And I got my mouth and went, it was really loud, louder than that. And I did that for a while. No, we didn't wait long enough. We turned to go back to the truck. Uh, Had we stayed one more second, the deer would have come out and we would have eaten her. Uh, But it wasn't long after, Mama Deer, she came out looking. She's looking for who was was messing with her kid because she thought that was her kid crying out. Can I tell you that your Heavenly Father will come when you cry out to Him? Why would we think that a dumb animal, and by the way, we can call them a dumb animal because compared to God, compared to God, I... I'm not that bright either, Uh, but I have a soul. I have a spirit. Uh, I'm a trichotomy of creation made in God's image, but even a dumb animal knows to take care, that we know they'll take care of their young. God will care for us. So we see that picture uh, in this matter of prayer. We can call on God. We ought to pray. Uh, He's our heavenly father. The Bible says, like as a father pitieth his children. So the Lord pitieth him that fear him. If there were not a line in the Bible to base our hope on except this, that God's our Heavenly Father. Jesus taught the disciples to pray, Our Father, our Father which art in heaven. I was redeemed at infinite cost. God cared so much about me and about you that he gave the greatest gift If ye then being evil, the Bible says in Matthew, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good gifts to them that ask him. Uh, Healing is a good gift. We ought to pray. We ought to pray when we're alone uh, for the sick. We ought to call for others to pray for us. Uh, There's a pattern for that. We see it in Scripture. We ought to pray privately for one another. We ought to pray publicly for one another. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles about Asa, and Asa in the 30th and 9th year of his reign was diseased in his feet. How many of you wives believe that your husband might have the disease of Asa uh, in their feet? Uh, Diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease, I want you to listen to these words, he sought not the Lord. That's a big statement but to the physicians. By the way, the problem wasn't he went to the physicians. We're going to talk about that a bit later, probably next week. He sought not the Lord. And Asa slept or died. He slept with his fathers and died in one and fortieth year of his reign. How often do we commit the sin of Asa? We never think to go to God. We go to the doctor, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. We're going to see that probably next week. But the very first person we ought to go to is God. The very first. Asa sought not the Lord. How often do we commit that sin? The Bible never, and we're going to get deep into this in a bit, but, and we may take us three weeks to get through all this. I want to, I want to share it with you. It's, it's, it's important for us. The Bible never teaches it's wrong for us to go and seek medical attention or take medicine. We see several things we're going to look at later But the problem is when we don't seek the Lord. The very first thing, the very first thing we do. I believe there are probably many who may be sick that God would probably and would want to heal if we go to him and ask him. 
Very important statement before I give you point number two. And don't miss this. It is not always God's will to heal. But I believe quite often, usually it is for Christians. But not always. God is not your genie in a lamp and you rub the bottle and you say, okay, God, you do this now. You don't command the Lord. You don't speak a word of healing over somebody. Stop, stop trying to take false doctrine and blend it into true uh, gospel Christianity. That's, that's as, that kind of philosophy is as much out of the pit of hell as any other false doctrine. You don't command the Lord. You don't, you don't speak healing. You don't uh, speak a word of knowledge over someone. But we can pray. We can ask. Praying is asking. The answer to prayer is receiving. We can ask. Number two, prayer for the sick is proper during this age. Number two, prayer for the sick is proper during this age. In other words, right now, not just during Bible days. Now, there's a reason that I want to give you this thought. In 1942, Dr. H.A. Ironside penned this in Hope Magazine. No instructed Christian can help acknowledging the power of the Lord to heal the body as well as to save the soul. He who credits the miracles of the New Testament as every sincere Christian must recognize the healing power of God. God can heal. God has healed. God does heal. He heals in answer to prayer. He heals where there is no prayer at all by the recuperative power of nature. He heals, as in Hezekiah's case, by the use of means. He is often healed in answer to the prayer of the individual who was sick or of others who prayed for him. There are too many reputable testimonies at the present time to such healings to question them for a moment. Amen. And boy, what great truth from that great author years ago. But, can I tell you today, and even in Dr. Ironside's day, there were those who considered themselves ultra-smart Bible teachers who tried to take God's Word and, and divide it up and say, well, no, this is for Israel, and this is for the church, and, and this is not for you, and this book is not for us, and, and we call them today ultra-dispensationalists who would try to steal portions of Scripture from us as believers and try to separate, say, no, this is for you, this is for me, uh, this is for that period, this is for this period. Uh, when the Bible says all Scripture, all Scripture is profitable. Uh, and that those would try to say that physical blessings were for Israel, not for us today. Uh, those would try to say, you know, we, we can't ask for healing. That was for Israel. That wasn't for the church. Uh, but the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible speaks nothing of the kind. Uh, in many good uh, study Bibles, you'll find some notes that will lean towards that direction. Can I, can I remind you that the notes in your Bible are not inspired? Uh, they're written by man. Uh, some good men, but can I tell you that all men are imperfect. Uh, imperfect. Now, some of us are more imperfect than others, but all men are imperfect. Dr. R.A. Torrey. Uh, said in his book about healing, 
Some say that the epistle of James was written to Jewish believers. Therefore, it does not apply to Gentile believers. Maybe you've heard that before. I've, I've, heard, that, uh, I've heard that propagated before. But God in his word very definitely tells us what applies to Jewish believers applies to Gentile believers. That Christ Jesus, there is neither Jew nor Greek. That, that's pretty plain. We see that in Galatians 3.28. Now, the splitting up and dividing of the New Testament uh, to some to Gentile Christians, this is not for us, this is for Jewish Christians, uh, has no warrant in the Word of God. In fact, it goes against plain teaching. Uh, there are some who would uh, take away from the Gentiles much in the New Testament. There are those who are not only this passage, and this passage is for us today for the church. We have a, we have a word for that in the hillbilly where I'm from. It's hogwash. Uh, the, the real highfalutin people would say poppycock, Brother Ahmad. Uh, or uh, down the holler where I'm from, baloney. Uh, it's just not true. They're not rightly dividing. They're dividing, but not rightly dividing the word of truth. How many have ever butchered a chicken before? Chicken butchers. Now, those of you from uh, Southeast Asia, you can help me, those from a Asia. Uh, I grew up in North America. In North America, when we butcher a chicken, you can find out what it looks like. Go to Church's Chicken, go to Popeye's, go to KFC if you don't like, if you don't care what it tastes like. But you look and you'll see you'll, there'll be a leg. There'll be a wing. There'll be a leg, a wing, a breast, a keel. You don't know what a keel is, but anyway, that's a back. Uh, there'll be the thighs. That, that's the thighs and wings. That, that's the parts that God blessed. They're spiritual. Uh, all the pieces are separated that way. But Brother Herman, you know what I've learned? In most Asian cultures, that's not how you butcher a chicken. I don't know about in the Philippines. I, I, I believe I'm right. I know in many Asian cultures, you take the chicken, you get a big cleaver. Whack, 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 whack. And there's just chunks of bone. How many know what I'm talking about? I'm like, what in the world did you do to that poor chicken? What did that chicken do to you? And when you put your separator right, what are you doing chopping it up? After my wife and I got married, I took her to visit a Cambodian family, a Cambodian and Chinese family. That I knew, and a brand new, brand new married couple. My wife, we've been married for two weeks, and I, t I wanted to take my wife to meet them. And their grandson rode our bus on Sundays, and I went to visit them, brother uh, Brian Duty's grandparents. Sweet, sweet folks, and uh, they were Buddhists that I was trying to lead to Christ. And it was a special holiday, Cambodian holiday. I didn't realize it, but it was a special holiday, and. And they had high-end food at their house. They were poor folks, but they, for the holiday, it was very special. And we got there, and I realized it was a big, big shindig. And when I got there, I became, we became the guest of honor. And my wife, who'd never been there before, she was really the guest of honor. And they had duck. Uh, I love duck. Duck is a wonder, but it's expensive. And, you know, in North American culture, Brother Krim, if we butcher a duck, you know, there's the wings and the duck, and all little pieces. No, 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 just chopped up. And then there was a piece of the duck there that I, Brother Mike, we wouldn't cook in our house probably. The head was there. <laughs> and I knew what was going to happen. 
I knew they were going to offer that to my wife. And I knew my wife was going to die. And they made us go through line first, and I watched as Grandma had the tongs to put the duck head on my wife's plate. And I rescued her. I said to her, I called her by name, and I spoke in proper uh, Kamai. Back then, I could speak Kamai better than I can today. And I said to her in proper Kamai, I said, would you please, would you honor me and let me have that piece? That's my favorite. <laughs> so she took the head and put it on my plate. Whew, my wife survived. <laughs> now, there are many who take the word of God. What? They chop it up. They divide it. But not the way God wants it divided. And when we try to divide off God's promises, we make a serious mistake. That's right. We make a serious mistake. Uh, we, I'll give you a little more here. We've got to to land the plane here in a minute. Uh, there are those who would try to say of the book of James, oh, that's not for us. That's for the Jews. Hold on a minute. Most likely the book of James, one of the first chronologically as far as man penning, it was settled in heaven forever. Before God said, let there be, it already was. But as far as man taking pen and putting to paper as God's Holy Spirit gave him words to pen, most likely the book of James might have been the first in the New Testament. So when it was penned, can I tell you who all the believers in Jesus Christ were at the time that James took pen and wrote down what the Holy Spirit gave him? They were Jews who had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the gospel had not yet gone to the Gentiles. So when it speaks of the Jews, it was written to believers. But at that moment in history, almost every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ was a former Jew who would trust in Christ. The Bible says to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, but that was when there were only the followers of Christ were of those 12 tribes. It's true also the Bible says in the book of Galatians and to the churches of Galatia and that uh, Romans was addressed all at Rome. Uh, how many of you were born in Galatia? Have you born in Rome? It's funny, those that would try to chop up the Bible... They have no problem claiming Galatians is for them. But they weren't born in Galatia. They're not Romans, but yet they have no problem receiving that. But they want to separate off the book of James. So when we think of, of this matter of prayer, uh, we don't have to guess uh, whom the Holy Spirit gave the word of God to. As we see in James chapter 5, verse 14, is any sick among you? That's for any sick among us. Let us pray. Uh, by the way, it says, it does not say, let him go to the rabbi. It says, go to the, the elders of the church. It doesn't say the rabbi of the temple. Now, if it was for the Jews, it would have to say that. We see that the book of James is for us today. Uh, James 5, 3 says, you've heaped treasure together for the last days. Uh, James chapter 5 as fitting for the last days. In verse 7, be patient therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. He's on his way. The epistle of James, the last chapter particularly, is fitted for the days that I believe we're living in today. 
the last days. The days, and we are living in the days preceding the coming of our Lord. Verse 8 says, Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. In verse 9 it says, uh, uh, speaks again, the, the fifth chapter, Behold, the judge standeth at the door. He's right there. Just about ready to open and just about ready to return. The last days, the second coming of Christ are mentioned. Uh, it's obvious for us that this passage is for us. And don't let anyone take away from you the truth of God's word. Rather, God's book, the Bible says, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and righteousness. And how wonderful that God is the one who wants to apply his word to our lives. We, it's proper for us to pray for, for healing. And prayer for the sick is proper now, in our day, in 2024. Let's pray together. Lord, help us. Now, Lord, I, I thank you for the encouragement we can receive in your word. Lord, I'm looking forward as we continue to work our way through this thought and this study, this matter of prayer for the sick and healing. Now, Lord, would you bless us? Lord, be with us this morning as we focus upon our, our theme for this year, victory in Jesus. And Lord, how wonderful that we can experience it. How wonderful that we can live it together. How wonderful that we can see it lived out in this place today. Uh, help us and bless us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Get busy selling. Hey, get busy selling. How much is this? 50 bucks? 40 bucks no, no, <laughs> make sure make sure write both names down and then give them this piece and uh, they and they can either send EMT or cash John right husband and wife and it's perforated they get they get the, they get this part one per couple and then the money goes in here or they can send EMT I'm still on